Hola y bienvenidos a Peruvians of USA, peruanos de Estados Unidos. Un podcast en español, inglés y spanglish donde compartimos las diversas historias del inmigrante peruano. Mi nombre es Natalie Sofía y soy una chica peruana que vive en los Estados Unidos por más de 20 años. Welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast in Spanish, English and Spanglish where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. My name is Natalie Sofia, a fellow Peruvian living in the U.S. for more than 20 years. So let's get started. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to Peruvians of USA. I'm your host, Natalie Sofia. With me, I have Flavia, also known as Latina Traveler on Instagram. Welcome to the show, Flavia. Thank you so much for being one of our guests. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to estar aquí y poder hablar contigo sobre los peruanos acá in the United States. So, yeah, very excited. Igualmente, estoy, estoy muy alegre que estás acá. Uh, so I'm really excited to speak to you because, as I mentioned uh, before that we started recording, you are like all my favorite things. You are Peruvian, you're a traveler, and you are talking about personal finance and your Instagram page. You're documenting your journey uh, to debt freedom. So I am just really excited to talk to you. Uh, so let's dive in, okay? Uh, first, give us a little peek to the life of Flavia. Who are you? What are you currently doing? Of course. So, um, well, I'm Peruvian American. I was born here in the U.S. to I'm the daughter of two Peruvian immigrants. Um, and I was born and raised here in New Jersey, where I currently am. But I'm actually uh, living in Barcelona, Spain, and I will be moving back there in a couple of weeks. So I am finishing a master's in tourism. I will be starting a new master's in international relations. And I'm currently uh, in the process of starting a blog. Wow, you're a very busy person <laughs> and, and very international for sure. Um, I definitely want to talk about your master's in tourism. And then um, I am very curious, especially with what um, the whole world is going through right now with COVID and how the tourism uh, industry is changing. I think that's also very interesting to talk about. And I would love to also know your thoughts about even just tourism in Peru, right? Like it's evolved a lot in the last couple uh, years. So, but let's start at the beginning. When and why did your family come to, uh, come to the US, do you know? Yeah, so my dad came first. He came in about the 80s, mid 80s. Um, he honestly did not want to come here when he first decided he was going to. It was around the presidency of Alan Garcia. Um, y pues él decidió que iba a venir porque sentía que la política allá no estaba buena. Entonces, um, lo que él me ha contado es que el presidente como frizó las cuentas en dólares. Entonces, él la mayoría de sus inversiones, la mayoría del dinero que él tenía guardado estaba en dólares. Entonces se quedó sin nada, misio. Entonces se decidió venir a los Estados Unidos. Felizmente él sí tuvo la oportunidad que, que tenía papeles ya por unas, unas cosas que habían pasado antes. Entonces para él eso no era ningún problema. Entonces se vino, about mid-80s, and then he had met my mom, but she was still in Peru, in Lima. So he would go back and forth and eventually they got married um, Thanksgiving of 86 and started the paperwork to get her to come to the U.S. And then she joined shortly after. Wow. So they were separated for a bit of time then. That, does your, do they talk about that separation? Um, and I asked because my parents were also separated for about five years. My dad came here and then my mom and us behind until my dad could figure out a way to, to like you know basically save the money <laughs> to bring us um so do they talk about that that you know separation like what was that like for them so they actually have it and I hadn't really thought about asking what it was like um which now I'm actually I'm going to I'm definitely going to ask them about it um but no they they have not Okay, and so your your parents got married, and then they decided to, you know, move to the U.S. Do you know what their first reaction to the U.S. was? Maybe perhaps uh, your mom's reaction, like what was her, you know, culturally is shocking to anybody who's new to the country. So I'm just curious what they what they talk about the early years. 
Right. So my dad, um, since he came first, he had actually come a few times beforehand. Um, he had some family that lived in Manhattan or in Queens. And so he would come during summers here, uh, or I mean, summers in Peru to work and work as like a taxi driver and do a few other things. So he had been here a few times before. So he did know what to expect. Um, my mother, on the other hand, she had never been to the U.S., but when she knew she was going to come, my dad would send her money to study English, um, to kind of get prepared and everything for her departure from Peru to here. But more in depth as to like how it was for them leaving, I haven't actually asked them that. But I think because they knew they would always or could always have that possibility of going back, whether it was just to visit or not, um, that... It may have been hard on them, but uh, these are definitely questions I'm going to ask them now that you're asking me, because I hadn't thought about their experience as much. Um, and yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, I think I've mentioned this in other episodes where the immigrant experience, it just happens so fast. And we come here and, you know, we focus on work, we focus on understanding the language, learning um, about the financial system, learning about the education system, taxes, you know, all these things that perhaps uh, either in Peru, they were obviously different. And so, um, so that's the point of all this conversation. The point of the podcast is just to help us reflect a little bit. And so, yeah, I'm really excited that you, are, um, you know, are asking your parents those questions now and, and then maybe I can even have your parents <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> um, so one of the things you mentioned, um, that I, that, that I love was that, um, your dad said, um, that, you know, he made sure that in your household, uh, you spoke Spanish. And I love this because it it reminded me of when I came to the U.S. and my parents um, took me to, you know, register in school, in elementary school, and the teacher or the counselor told my parents, um, you know, like, you really need to speak English at home in order for her to, like, pick it up faster. And my dad was like, no, like, en esta casa se habla español. And so... What a gift, right, that they gave us now that we're bilingual. Like, tell us about that. Like, was that something that you embraced? Did you, because I know sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you're like, well, can I just speak English? <laughs> so. Just wanted to take a break here to share that Peruvians of USA now has an online store. Help us spread the message that El Mejor Amigo de Un Peruano es Otro Peruano by visiting our online store. We also have feminine versions that said La Mejor Amiga de Una Peruana es Otra Peruana or gender neutral versions. This could be the perfect gift for a Peruvian in your life. Visit the link on the episode notes or link in bio. All right, back to the episode. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I only grew up listening to all the movies and everything in Spanish like all the Disney movies that everyone watches my parents found them dubbed or they just dubbed them on there so we could listen to them in Spanish um, but they were definitely my dad was very persistent on like esa casa es peruana tú sales la puerta allá afuera eso es the U.S. acá adentro eso es Peru like <laughs> Peruvian food everything so we were always speaking Spanish at home um, I think I definitely I definitely wanted to learn even as like a little child, I knew that it was something that I wanted to know. I remember being younger and saying that my life goal at the time was to learn five languages fluently. I've not made it yet, but <laughs> at least knowing two fluently helps a lot. Um, and my mom would always say que somos una esponja, que la, la, la mente de los niños son una esponja, entonces lo van a aprender. And I learned English three, four months when I started kindergarten so quickly. So I'm so glad that they made us speak Spanish, that we still do. I still, only, I choose to only speak Spanish with my parents, um, even though at times they'll answer in English or they may say things in English just because I know it helps me. Um, definitely more than it helps them, it would have helped them a lot more if I did speak to them in English and that we did converse that way. Um, but long term, it, it did help me a lot. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm also very thankful my dad, um, you know, forced us to speak Spanish at home. Um, I guess I'm curious also, you mentioned like, you know, de la puerta para adentro era Peru, de la puerta para afuera era Estados Unidos. De que otras maneras sus papás, like, kept the culture, right? Like, there are the obvious ways were like the food, because we love our food, we're very proud of our food. But I think you mentioned that you were in, in New Jersey, where there is... Um, 
some, uh, my understanding, well, at least in Patterson, New Jersey, there is a strong commu Peruvian community, but I think you also mentioned that um, most of the time your experience has been like, you're the only Peruvian, right? So like, just, I guess, tell us, uh, tell us a bit about that, keeping the culture wet, while not being surrounded by other Peruvians. Definitely. So I, um, we were, I was born in Newark, so maybe like half an hour or so from Patterson. And I definitely knew about it when I was younger. We'd always go to El Chifa Jade, <laughs> which is a great Chifa restaurant. Um, but yeah, so up until the age of 10, we were in Elizabeth Hillside region of New Jersey, which is very diverse. Um, there weren't too many Peruvians that I could think of. I knew some family members that lived nearby that we would see them. Um, in our household, food was definitely the big thing. Food and family, I always just associated as being Peruvian, completely Peruvian, where it's like we would get together um, with the family that we did have here or nearby. Um, I have family in like DC and Florida. I mean, my parents would definitely do the most to make sure that we spent as much time together, uh, which I love that. And they would also send us to Peru often a lot during the summers and things like that. So I would um, know all of my cousins there, um, both my mom and my dad's side. I'm very grateful that both my parents took the time and the effort to make sure that we knew all our cousins, as many as we could, really, <laughs> on both sides of the family. Um, but so I was living in Hillside until about the age of 10, which, like I said, is very diverse. And then because of job situations that my mom had, um, we ended up moving about an hour south, which is where my parents currently live now in Jersey still, but it was a complete culture shock. At 10 years old, I knew that I was in a completely different space. Um, I went from a very diverse school and area to a very white community, a very white neighborhood where my sister and I were the only, not even just Peruvians, the only Latinos in school from fifth to eighth grade for me and fourth to eighth for her. Um, and so I definitely felt the difference. I definitely felt that we were the other in a big sense. Um, so not only was, were we just the only Peruvians, but the only Latinos, the people who spoke Spanish. And well, that also came with a whole bunch of different additional things since we were very different. Um, we eat different food, talk differently, I guess. And, um, I mean, in school, they definitely knew that we spoke Spanish. My sister and I excelled in Spanish class. So... Yeah, I guess one memory I do that you trigger as you were narrating, you know, your um, moving to a less diverse neighborhood was um, how I also, even though I grew up in a county in the DC area um, that's pretty diverse, um, I had mom, I had um, a school that at times it wasn't, right? And so um, I just remember also feeling like nobody knew anything about Peru, like, the the students or my classmates knew about um you know mexico because it's nearby and it has such a long history with the u.s and you know um border lines have changed so was so much too and so they're more familiar with mexican culture the art uh famous people like cesar chavez the aztecs the mayans but like almost nothing was known about in the incas and south america geography wasn't really a thing and so like did you ever feel um i guess i i guess did you ever feel like you had to be that ambassador at such a young age of peru and like how did you do that so being so young too so i i knew i was peruvian because i knew i had been i knew where my family was from i could point it out on a map um when it came to being i guess an ambassador, I wouldn't have called myself that. I would definitely have just at least felt that I was trying to prove that Peruvians do exist. Peruvians are south of Mexico and that we come in all different sizes, colors, everything. Because when, for people that did know at least something of Peru, possibly more the Machu Picchu side, would think that all Peruvians um, had the long braids and had the certain skin tone and everything. And, and we come in all different colors and shades. Um, so as I, when I was too young, I didn't really understand what it meant. Um, but as I've been growing older and I've been to different countries and different just states within the U S, um, 
I definitely encounter people where they still don't really know where it is. I feel like geography in general is just not a very strong subject across the board for most people. Um, but I definitely, I definitely, so I carry my Peruvian flag. I carry my Peruvian flag when I go to other states and countries. I always try to at least take one picture with it um, to show that Peruvians are everywhere, that we are definitely here. And I got the idea, I want to say from a Brazilian that I saw at one point who carried their flag when I was somewhere. And I was like, I need to start doing that because we know Brazilians are a lot of places, Mexicans, Colombians, et cetera, but Peruvians were rare. Y eso siempre me decía mi papá también que de lo bueno poco. Y somos bien pocos peruanos en ciertos lugares donde he estado en la vida, but I'm like, but I'm good. And I'm doing good things. And I'm telling good things about my parents' home country that I is really close to my heart as well. Um, so I definitely want the people to know wherever I go that I'm Peruvian and I'm here and I can be here and anywhere. I love that idea. Um, I definitely, I have not done that, um, but I love it. And the one time I did have, uh, well, not the one time, but like one of the, one of the few times I had some Peruvian gear on me, uh, another Peruvian saw me and was like, oh, Peruana. And I'm like, oh, Peruano. And like, we all like, kind of like came together and like talked and we, this was in Australia. I had a post about this and, and just like, I, you know, was curious about his life in Australia. What are you doing? How did you come here? Um, have you had those moments? I'm curious, maybe you're traveling to more remote places, <laughs> um, but I'm curious if you had those moments when somebody recognized your flag, maybe was a Peruvian or maybe not. So when I've actually had the flag, I haven't, but I've definitely um, had that experience with other people wearing the shirt or like wearing the bracelets. I've seen the bracelets a little bit more often. I did hear that was mentioned in a previous podcast. Um, so I do notice out, like I look out for things like that, but I do see more people with the shirts. And a lot of times either they are Peruvian or they've been to Peru and bought a shirt. And then we kind of have an experience with that. And we talk about it, like where they've been, but if they are Peruvian, then I'll ask them, you know, like where they're from or where their family is from you know if they've recently been back and things like that so it's always really nice to find other Peruvians on the road um in other places because we are rare to find at times and yeah. I think that makes us nicely hidden gems yes I agree I agree so you mentioned your parents sent you um you know to Peru during the summers or like to to have you interact with your family there which I think is fantastic and, and a great way to ensure you like have connections with Peru right um I am curious I know you you went to Peru when you were like one year old but um let's talk about the first time you remember like Peru what was your sort of like your first memory of Peru um as a kid perhaps yeah, so um, yo iba bastante, como digo, todos los veranos, casi todos los veranos, he ido a Perú. Creo que una de las primeras veces que me acuerdo, tenía como siete, ocho años, y me fui con mis tíos de Lima, nos fuimos al castillo de Chancay. Y me acuerdo eso porque nos picaron todas las moscas, terminamos completamente picadas, una locura. Y creo que me asustó un poco el castillo porque era de noche, era un castillo grande, era como, a mí me da tipo, like, scary vibes. Um, pero eso creo que eso y el viaje que hice con mis, mis primas, parte de mi papá, a Obragío. Y Obragío siempre ha sido algo que nos ha encantado bastante porque fuimos y habían caballos, el río, subimos por la montaña en caballo, entonces esas cosas siempre me voy a acordar, esas de verdad para mí son como las primeras memorias concretas y fijas que tengo de Perú. Qué bonitos, no, sí, los primos, o sea, son como hermanos, o sea, los primos son como hermanos, tus mejores amigos y me encanta que hayas tenido esa, esa experiencia con tus primos eh, el estar en Perú porque... Aquí la cultura en Estados Unidos es muy separada a veces de la familia, ¿verdad? La familia no vive cerca o no siempre las vemos. Entonces, esa es una de las cosas cuando yo vine que sentía mucha tristeza porque en Perú yo vivía al lado de todos mis primos, todas mis tías, mis tíos estaban ahí, tenía siempre un primo con quien jugar. Y cuando vienes acá a Estados Unidos o cuando yo vine, eh, era como que no, no, había, no, no había mucha familia. Sí tenía un, pocos primos, pero o sea, no, no, lo, no era lo mismo, ¿no? Pero me alegra que hayas tenido esas experiencias, esa memoria. Um, una de las cosas que tú y yo hablamos antes de comenzar a grabar era de ese balance de ser americana y ser peruana, ¿verdad? O sea, ni de aquí ni de allá. O sea, 
porque acá, obvio que no somos como lo que se estereotipo americana, gringa, digamos, y, pero cuando vamos a Perú tampoco como que ya no somos de ahí porque tenemos um, influencias de acá de Estados Unidos, también tenemos la historia que tenemos de acá de Estados Unidos y nosotros hablamos también de que hay muchos temas sociales que tenemos que lidiar acá en Estados Unidos y hay muchos temas sociales y políticos igual en Perú. Entonces, ¿cómo tú balanceas ese orgullo de ser peruano, peruana y, y igual, igual ser estadounidense, ser americana o sea, y sentirte tal vez que, bueno, ¿dónde, dónde, ¿cuál es home? ¿Where's home? Right? ¿Dónde, ¿Dónde es mi hogar? <ríe> uh, esta pregunta, it's such a loaded question que yo me la he hecho también varias veces como entre qué soy, de dónde estoy y yo creo que hay una diferencia entre qué es lo que yo me considero y qué es lo que me ven las otras personas. Y me ha demorado tantos años en llegar finalmente a esa conclusión, um, porque de niña yo sabía que yo vivía en Estados Unidos, yo sabía que nací acá, y bueno, eso era, lo notaba y me decían, y siempre era bien presente cuando iba a Perú. Entonces, um, aunque pude pasar bastante tiempo con mis primos, con mi familia y todo eso, siempre era como eres gringa, pero para mí siempre gringa era como tipo rubia, ojos azules, que obviamente yo no, no soy eso. Eh, entonces siempre ha sido como algo bien difícil definir, definir para mí misma, porque para los americanos siempre una pregunta que me hacen, si yo o estoy hablando en inglés en el teléfono, ah, que ya, si estoy hablando castellano en el teléfono, o si cualquier cosa, me pueden preguntar si tenemos una conversación, pero ¿de dónde eres? Yo nací acá pero ¿de dónde eres? Y siempre es como que lo tienen que preguntar de, de nuevo, preguntar de dónde son tus padres. Entonces siempre me he sentido como que tengo que tratar de ser más americana que los americanos o más peruana que los peruanos, pero obviamente es imposible. Yo nací en Estados Unidos con una cultura peruana, pero también con influencias americanas. Entonces yo siento que haber nacido acá, haber ido al colegio acá, hacer todos mis estudios acá, eh, tengo varios, um, varias ideas que son mucho más americanas, en parte que obviamente si yo hubiera nacido, crecido y todo en Perú, no tendría esas mismas ideas, es bien posible. Quizás yo, yo siento que haber nacido acá he eh, podido formar como unas ideas más progresivas a una edad más joven que si hubiera nacido allá y después venido acá y pasar el tiempo acá. Um, pero sí, yo siempre he tenido como esa dificultad de definirme a mí quién soy, pero últimamente como yo me estoy de, um, definiendo, porque de verdad, aunque por un tiempo sí traté de negar la parte americana, aunque de verdad es imposible porque yo nací acá, como digo, tengo varias ideas que son formadas de acá. Entonces, y también últimamente me he dado cuenta, hablando con mi papá, que mi tatarabuela era inca. Entonces también tengo esas raíces incas que, indígenas que yo de verdad no sé mucho de eso. Entonces no, aunque puedo decir que tengo las raíces indígenas, yo no me sentiría cómoda diciendo que soy indígena porque yo no crecí en esa cultura, yo no sé mucho de, de eso. Pero sí tengo orgullo sabiendo que dentro de mis ancestros sí hay, hay eso. Y es algo que sí quiero aprender un poco más. Me encantaría poder hablar unas palabras en quechua y saber un poco más de esa parte de la cultura que se ha perdido. Porque, bueno, en Lima, como varios limeños tratan de negar esa parte de su, de su historia, tratan de decir siempre que somos más europeos, más italianos, españoles, etcétera, etcétera. Pero, pero bueno, son, somos una mezcla de muchas cosas. Um, yo me hice este 20, 23 and me. Yeah. Y, cuando me la hice, soy como 62% peruana. So, soy indígena, tengo, tengo las raíces ahí. Soy como 16% español y después tengo como 6% de África y como 2-3% de Asia. Entonces, de verdad, una mezcla y todo el mundo estaba lleno, manio, menos Australia, que eso sí no salía, pero una mezcla de todo, de verdad. Sí. No, sí, o sea, en general los latinos somos una mezcla de todos y, y me imagino que los peruanos ahí también tenemos fuertes, uh, fuertes uh, genes indígenas también, ¿no? Um, me pregunto, tú mencionaste que 
el haber nacido acá, el haber ido al colegio, terminado tu colegio acá en los Estados Unidos, o sea, como que te dio valores más progresivos que si, que si hubieras tal vez crecido en Perú, ¿verdad? ¿Cuáles son esos valores que tú piensas que son más progresivos? Y, y me pregunto si cuando tú vas al Perú, tienes como un roce, te choca algunas cosas que tú ves allá. Uh, y lo digo también porque me ha pasado a mí, o sea, el, el haber crecido mayor, la mayoría de mi vida acá, uno tiene ideas de discriminación, de cómo se debe hablar um, de la mujer, de otras, de otras culturas, de otras razas. Y a veces cuando vamos a, a Perú, eh, esa delicadeza no hay, ¿verdad? No hay esa delicadeza. Entonces me pregunto, ¿cuáles son esos es, esas, uh, valores progresivos que mencionaste? Y, y si es que hay algún roce cuando vas a, a, a Perú. Claro. Uh, bueno, sí, pues yo... Aunque te digo que ya a los 10 años, de 10 a 18 años, yo estuve viviendo en un pueblo así, bueno, bien blanco. Entonces no tuve ese como exposure a varias otras culturas, otras raíces. Pero como yo sabía que yo no cabía dentro de eso, yo siempre trataba, bueno, sabía que yo era latina, sabía que yo era peruana, entonces que yo era diferente. Entonces, sí... Si, me pondría a pensar que si algo malo le, podría, le, le podrían decir a otra persona, como eso no me caería bien a mí, porque eso me ha pasado a mí. Entonces no me gustaría que le pase eso a otras personas. Y bueno, eso lo pienso acá en Estados Unidos, que ya hay una mezcla total de, de verdad todo el mundo. Es, el Estados Unidos es como todo el mundo en un, en un país. Y en Perú, bueno, son, la mayoría son peruanos. Y pero hay peruanos que tienen piel color distinta, hay afroperuanos, hay indígenas, hay peruanos más blancos. Y entonces sí he notado y sí he visto que, bueno, en Perú muchas veces la, los peruanos que son de piel más, más blanquita a veces no tratan bien a las personas que son indígenas, como las um, palabras chola, cholo, como decirlo como una palabra así de discriminación, que de verdad... Yo no estoy de acuerdo de eso. Yo he visto videos circulando en Facebook diciendo cosas así, de verdad. Cosas así no, no estoy de acuerdo porque el Perú tiene aún muchas cosas para progresar. Uh, el machismo es muy prominente en Perú y es algo que espero que pueda cambiar, que las mujeres de verdad sí tengan, que sí puedan salir, no importa qué es lo que se ponga, no importa cuánto ha tomado, no importa nada de eso, que puedan salir, sentirse cómodas, saber que no, no les va a pasar nada. Y bueno, eso también tiene que pasar acá en Estados Unidos y de verdad en casi todo el mundo. Pero um, sí, pues yo siento que, uh, que en los dos países hay mucho que, que aún se tiene que, que mejorar, pero creo que mi my exposure that I've had in the U.S. has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of microaggressions and discrimination that maybe I may not have noticed or maybe because I would have been on the non-receiving side of it that I've definitely learned it at a much younger age. No, I agree with you, especially also what you talked about, you know, the things that are circulate in YouTube and in the media about um, the comedy we have and how we make fun of uh, the indigenous communities there, the Afro-Peruvian communities there. And that breaks my heart because like so much of our culture and so much of the things we're proud of came from those communities, like Afro-Peruvians, hello, the music, uh, you know, like look at our soccer players, right? So, and that, and both communities have given so much to, to Peru and for, for, for us, for like the general public to just like discriminate and say like, oh, this is hilarious. And it's not, I agree with you, it is not. But I think you and I, because you and I grew up in the U.S., we're a little bit more sensitive to that. And I think in Peru, it's como que dicen, oh, no, pero eso no lo decimos de verdad, es mentira, es broma. No, pero de todas maneras, esas bromas duelen. Esas bromas duelen y es una falta de respeto a la comunidad indígena, a la comunidad afroperuana. Entonces, uh, no, estoy totalmente de acuerdo contigo. Um, Creo que... Um, si podría decir. Creo que solo, aparte de que duelan, también afectan oportunidades, porque como muchos carteles que dicen en Perú, que he visto caminando por Larco y esas avenidas que dicen, buscando señorita de buena presencia, con buena presencia, eso siempre quiere decir una cosa, no es que quiera decir otra, entonces también estás cortando ciertas oportunidades a, a gente que aunque tenga la 
la capacidad de poder hacerlo y tener todos los otros requisitos llenos, no los deja solo por una cosa que es algo más físico. Entonces, creo que también... No, estoy de acuerdo. Y eso también se notó, creo, cuando uh, los venezolanos comenzaron a venir a Perú y, y algunos de los venezolanos que vinieron también eran piel más blanca, ojos más claros, cabello más claros y parece, y lo que yo entendí de las noticias, claro, yo no he estado ahí para vivirlo, um, es que se les daba preferencia a ellos, ¿verdad? En vez que a un peruano que está buscando trabajo, que ese es otro tema muy complicado, pero, o sea, ahí mismo lo vemos, ¿no? Nosotros mismos preferimos a lo que no es autóctono de nosotros, ¿no? Entonces, uh, bueno, eso tal vez es otro, otro episodio. <risa> Pero bueno, entonces sí quiero hablar de Latina Traveler, porque has viajado a más de 25 países y no conozco muchas latinas o muchas peruanas que se, también se definen como female solo traveler, porque en nuestras familias como que, como que vas a viajar sola, o sea, qué, qué peligro, ¿no? Entonces cuéntame de cómo nació Latina Traveler ¿Y cuál fue la reacción de tu familia al decir, ¿sabes qué? Me voy de viaje sola y ya. No, sí, pues, um, Latino Traveler, así como soy conocida ahora en las redes, bueno, eso de verdad solo comenzó hace seis meses, pero yo sí he viajado sola antes. Yo estaba conocida como otro nombre, pero ya lo he cambiado. Um, pero sí, yo la primera vez que viajé sola por un tiempo largo fue en el 2017. Me fui siete, casi ocho semanas sola entre Colombia y Panamá, con una mochila, wow. mochilera total. Sí, yo no conocía a nadie, no tenía como una idea de las cosas que quería hacer, dónde quería ir, tenía toda mi lista, pero yo llegué a Medellín ese día con solo cuatro noches en un, en un hostel, ahí booked, nada más. Aparte de eso, tenía mi lista y quiero ir tal, 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 pero no estaba como que, el plan era más que nada de día a día. Ya me las iba a ingeniar cómo las, cómo las hacía, cómo llegaba de un lugar a otro. Pero claro, sí me decían muchas personas, no tanto mis padres, porque ellos, bueno, ya saben que yo sí si viajo bastante, he ido a otros lugares sola, um, pero por un tiempo mucho más corto. También estuve en Perú, en el 2016 como nueve meses, me fui para allá como unos nueve meses, um, pero para estudiar y trabajar, y justo trabajé en un café donde era, los dueños eran venezolanos, entonces trabajé con varios venezolanos, um, pero más que nada de mis primas, de mis tías, cosas así, diciendo que cómo vas a ir sola, que no te da miedo, que es el otro, y creo que en parte... Esa independencia que yo tengo sí es por haber nacido acá en Estados Unidos, por eh, tener que hacer muchas cosas solas, por no siempre tener a una prima que me acompañe para hacer algo. Yo, yo tengo que hacerlo, si, no, na, si nadie me acompaña y yo no lo hago, nunca lo voy a hacer. Eso es como comenzó a ser mi pensamiento, que I can't just wait for somebody to come with me. If I do, I'm never going to do it. So I just need to do it now. So... I decided, no importa qué es lo que digan o qué es lo que me pregunten o eso y lo otro, yo estaré en comunicación con mis padres mientras estoy allá para decirles voy a estar en esta ciudad, voy a quedarme en este lugar, para al menos que no se preocupen y sepan si por alguna razón que no respondan por un tiempo largo, no me entro a, al Facebook o algo así que, ¿dónde estoy? ¿Dónde comenzar a buscarme? Si eso fuese a pasar. Pero de verdad... No me pasó nada malo. Yo estuve siete semanas completamente sola, um, hablando con ellos, conocí a un montón de gente. Pero, claro, en, y eso te, también tiene que ver un poco con el, um, el máster que estoy haciendo en turismo, que, um, bueno, yo vi que no hay suficiente representación ni diversidad dentro de la industria de turismo cuando yo viajaba, porque la mayoría de los viajeros que conocí eran europeos, eran australianos, eran americanos. No conocía a otras latinas que estaban ahí viajando solas para decir, hey, formamos un grupito para acá y nos vamos. No, siempre eran um, gente de estos países como conocidos más desarrollados. Y a mí me encantaría conocer a otras latinas, otros latinos que también están haciendo lo mismo. Si conocía a unos, siempre como eran en grupo, en pareja, o en familia, o algo así. Entonces no es que estaban solos, solos. Pero, de verdad, esa experiencia fue única. No lo cambiaría para nada y definitivamente lo haría de nuevo. Yo sé que muchas, um, tal vez, yo también he escuchado eso, ¿verdad? De, de tías, de primas que mencionan cómo vas a viajar sola, te da miedo, eres una mujer, te pueden hacer algo. Y claro que hay cosas que uno puede hacer para ser safe, para estar 
you know, no, no exponerse al, al peligro. Y, y me pregunto para las chicas que, las, las peruanas que están escuchando, las chicas latinas que están escuchando y tal vez quieren tomar ese paso a hacer un, a hacer un solo trip, ¿Qué, ¿qué consejos les puedes dar para, para que se sientan un poco más cómodas haciendo ese, ese, ese viaje? Porque igual yo estoy de acuerdo contigo en que yo también pasé una etapa en mi vida donde quería viajar, pero nadie estaba disponible, o no estaban ocupadas, o no tenían dinero, o no podían salir del trabajo, o ya se habían casado, ya tenían niños, entonces, ¿sabes qué? No, mejor me voy sola. <ríe> um, pero sí, ¿qué consejos tú les das a una, a una chica que está pensando, oh, ¿sabes qué? Sería chévere ir de viaje sola, pero no sé dónde comenzar. Claro, definitivamente un lugar donde hablas el idioma para comenzar. Si sabes que hablas el idioma, te puedes um, mover fácilmente. Um, eso debería ser el primer consejo, la primera cosa que uno piensa. Entonces, aunque no, ni tiene que ser fuera del país. Muchas veces yo le aconsejo a las personas que están pensando hacer esto, ir um, dentro del mismo país. Escoge una ciudad, like pick a city, pick a town, and just go somewhere where you at least speak the language so you can go and you know you'll feel comfortable. I feel that If you don't drive, um, a city is definitely the best to get into and get out of quickly and easily and to also move around. So if you chose a city, um, you can easily get there, whether it's by bus, by plane. Um, así, lo, la, los modos de transporte son mucho más fáciles. Um, y después también quedarse en un lugar tipo central. No te quedes como un poco más en las afueras solo porque va a estar un poco más barato. Entonces, para si, si sales de noche, no estás preocupado de, de llegar muy tarde o que sea muy aislado. Muy aislado. Y también um, un hostal. Yo sé que muchas personas están como que no les gusta o porque hay mucha gente o esa um, falta de seguridad dentro de eso, pero muchos hostales también tienen cuartos privados. Entonces tú te puedes quedar en un hostal que es un poco más barato que un hotel y va a haber mucha gente que está ahí alrededor y tú puedes tener un cuarto totalmente privado, con llave, con baño, si quieres, hay unos que vienen con baño y así todas tus cosas están seguras ahí y tú sabes que cuando llegues o te vas, tú al, tú al menos le puedes decir a la persona que está sentada adelante que que vas a salir o cualquier cosa donde vas a estar, algo así. Y así al menos tienes un poco más de seguridad sabiendo que alguien sabe dónde estás. Yeah, and, and, and those hostels too, like many of the, I mean, that's where you meet the most people actually. Like you meet so many people, there's so many common areas and some of those hostels also have um, tours that you can like walk in tours and things like that. So yeah, no, I think those are great, great tips. But you mentioned that, um, you know, Latina travelers started, Uh, it's like six months ago, but you've traveled before and you documented your travels and it kind of ties to your master in tourism. So I am curious how, like if you can elaborate a little bit more on how it ties to your master's in tourism. And also if you can touch on like how, because COVID is happening, right? So like how has COVID impacted, um, you know, obviously your education, but the industry and like what are some of the things Uh, the industry is now talking about. Definitely. So I actually decided to go do this master's in tourism on a whim. Like it was very last minute. I had been in Barcelona, April of 2019. So a little over a year ago now. And I was visiting my cousin that was there. And we walked around and I was like, maybe I'll go to school here. But I didn't do anything about it. Till June and then it was about two weeks until the deadline and I'm like let me go I did it I got all the papers I needed super quickly applied got accepted had to go had to try and go through the visa process which that is another topic <laughs> if anybody gets to that point um but yeah so I I've always loved to travel uh, my first time on a plane was actually to Peru when I was a month old um when my parents took me meet the family which obviously I do not remember that but um ever since then up until about the age of 15 all the trips we did were to Peru 15 instead of a quinceanera I opted for a trip to Europe and instead of a sweet 16 um we went to China so travel has always been in my veins I got the travel bug really young <laughs> so um we 
I, I continued to travel and I knew I was going to continue to travel no matter what, really. I studied abroad in, during my undergrad. I did a semester in France, um, but I still remember that I had told myself while I was still in high school that I would have possibly done my whole undergrad in either Puerto Rico or Barcelona. And neither of those, neither of those happened. So when this opportunity to go to Barcelona came up and my parents were like, do it. You never know if you'll have another chance. Ahorita no estás comprometida, no tienes hijos, no estás casada, etc. Entonces, hazlo, vete. Ve a Barcelona, tienes a tu prima, no vas a estar sola, sola, sola. Entonces, do it. Um, so I went. I went and, well, so in a way, like my life has kind of kind of been leading to this point of um, a master's in tourism. And then Latino Traveler, once I actually saw that that name was available is the reason why I changed it actually to this. Um, it was still a travel Instagram for me prior to the name change. So I was still documenting my travels um, and still talking about that within my private, like my previous Instagram. And with my, so I'm currently actually doing my thesis in this tour, in this master's, and it's actually talking about the diversity and representation within the travel industry and how it definitely affects a lot of different sectors within it. So a lot of times the people that are BIPOC are the ones who you see in a lot of photos that are serving the tourists or like are working at the airports or working at the hotel. And while this of course happens, it's not always the case. Like we still are the travelers. We still are the tourists. We still should be the ones on the receiving end of these drinks with the pictures of the people holding up those trays. So I definitely feel that there is a huge lack among many sectors, but definitely within the travel sector. And I've been having interviews with people lately. I created a survey um, for travelers and people that work in the travel industry to help me configure data for this thesis that I'm working on currently. Um, because now we're sitting ducks kind of because of COVID, because it has changed so many things. Um, I will be getting on a plane for the first time in six months, probably in about two or three weeks to go back to Spain. Um, and I'm kind of nervous because I don't know how things are going to be. And when I came back, it was also kind of a little bit of a mess. Um, so travel definitely has changed. I know that a lot of people who are doing little small road trips um, may feel uncomfortable posting about them or they're posting about them because they're finally doing something. So I feel like with travel, a lot of people are having mixed feelings about whether they should be traveling, whether they shouldn't, whether it's safe. And it's going to last for a while. I definitely feel like it's going to, unfortunately, it's, it may change a lot of what we used to know prior to this. Currently, the U.S. passport is not as strong, um, hoping that that can change. But then it also makes me think of how much privilege certain passports do get. Like, I know if I only had my Peruvian passport, I would not have been able to do and move through the world as easily as I do with my U.S. passport. So it, there's so many things that really this could be a whole other conversation <laughs> oh yes I, I mean like and i think you bring such a uh, honest response about like how covid is impacting tourism right like you like many of us like many i'm sure many of us uh i definitely me were like oh is it gonna be fixed by 2021 like can i travel and and then you just saying like you know like tourism might look different for a few years until we get back to like what it used to be and and i think we all need to set our expectations that way, just that things will look different for a bit. Um, so you mentioned that, you know, like Latinos or African-Americans or just like people of color who travel, they perhaps don't see themselves represented in these brochures and these advertisements. But I am curious as to, um, I am curious if there are other needs that you have noticed that perhaps um, non-European travelers, non uh, yeah, non-European travelers, American travelers um, have. So as like, have you, has that been part of like the discussions you're having in terms of like, you know, um, African travelers might have other needs. African-American travelers might have other needs. Latino travelers from the, from the US or Latin American travelers from, you know, uh, might have other needs. I am curious if, if that's, 
if that's uh, something you've discussed. So that isn't um, a topic directly that we have hit on precisely, but in the articles that I've been reading and some of the research that I have been doing, um, travel styles between different ethnic groups are very different. Um, so a lot of the articles that I've read note that, especially some of them were very um, were from Britain, and they would say how they didn't consider the needs of mainly Asian um, Asian migrants to these certain parts of Britain um, because they only think that these groups, if they travel, is to go home. And so I, it made, makes me think that maybe there are a lot more companies and a lot of more cities and countries that think the same, that just because now somebody has migrated, so my family migrated from Peru, that means that now we only want to go back to Peru to go see family, to go see. And while that's not necessarily not true, because we do and we definitely have, and I, at least up until, well, this year I was going to go to Peru, but I couldn't um, because of COVID. <laughs> but yes, that's definitely on my list because I do want to go see my family. I do want to go see my uh, fam my cousins, um, but I also want to go to other places. It's not like that's the only place I want to go to. So in a lot of these companies, aside from not just being on brochures, there's so many different um, collaborations and partnerships that we're missing out on that we haven't really been considered for when it comes to the travel industry. When I see a lot of big name um, Instagram magazines, or I mean, magazines, their Instagrams, and a lot of different bigger accounts, most of the pictures and most of the people featured, most of the people that go on these um, trips, these influencer type trips, always seem to be of one one aesthetic and it doesn't really cover all of the travelers that exist um there was one stat, uh, statistic in particular that sticks out that said i 56 million dollars are spent domestically in the u.s by black travelers and that is a big number that wow. a lot of people aren't considering so it's like if you're not really trying to attract these travelers they're going to go where they've been told that it's safe for them or that they're welcome there or that they should be there or that they can go and it happens for Asians it happens for Latinos it happens I haven't even tried to delve into what it would be like um, as an indigenous Native American traveler um, but there's so many things that we still need to work on in the travel industry, really. Wow, that's quite the statistic. I did not know that. That's that's quite a market. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, and I know that you're also documenting your journey to debt freedom. And I love that. I love that you're talking about personal finance. I think it's something that our community definitely needs to hear and learn more about. But I am curious, like, how did that get started? What inspired you or motivated you to to start doing that? So the inspiration to really talk about it started during coronavirus, honestly. I have been on Instagram. I've been on social media a little bit more than I probably would have been. I've been, which has given me time to connect with new people that I probably wouldn't have. And I've loved these new connections that I've made. Um, you've been one of them, so I'm so excited we met. <laughs> um, but a lot of them are women, are Latinas, are in personal finance, and they're talking about all of these things that my mom has mentioned some of it. So I know within the Latino community and also within a lot of my immigrant families finance may be something that isn't talked about because it's taboo because it's we don't we don't we just don't talk about it like it's it we pay things things are paid like don't worry about kind of where it comes from and I, I my family was like that as well my parents didn't really say anything I thought credit cards were like free money for the longest time when I was little I was like just you know use that um but as I've grown up I I had student debt. I had, um, I want to say it was about 28000 before interest. Um, and I'm grateful that it was the amount that it was and it wasn't even more. Um, but I knew even before I graduated, I graduated in May of 2015, that I didn't want to have it. I was being told, like, I remember I would log on to the app and it would say, you're going to have to pay in November, six months after, $225 a month for 10 years. And that to me was, oh my God, 
that's insane. I do not want to pay that for 10 years. So I, even before I started talking about being debt free, I was pretty much focused on it. I would pay 400 a month, 500 a month, 600 a month, as much as I really could thinking that one, one month, you'll get to a month where these 600, 500, $400 you're putting into this aren't going to go towards this. They're going to go for travel. They're going to go for whatever else you're doing at that point in your life. And they're not going to be funneled into this. So lately, now that I'm listening to these other women talk about it, especially Latinas, because I'm like, yes, this is like somebody that looks more like me, that has more of a similar background to me and upbringing. I'm like, yeah, I should talk about it because if I, if I don't talk about it, people that follow me or that like, listen to what I have to say, don't know about it either. And maybe they're going through the same thoughts and the same ideas, the same process. And a lot of people have actually hit me up about it. They're, they're saying like, oh, this is great that you're doing this. I love that you're doing it. It makes me feel accountable. And I'm like, yes, that's what we're doing. It's <laughs> exactly like, I want Latinas to be that, like, not just Latinas, all people to be that free. And if I can help somebody hopefully get to that, that would be amazing. And I really hope that I do. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I I definitely think that we do not talk enough about money, that uh, I love that you're uh, documenting your journey to debt freedom, which uh, based on your recent post, seems like you're very, very close. <laughs> um, I guess I'm curious, like, what happens after you're debt free? Like, what's your vision for, for you, for Latina Traveler? You mentioned a blog. Yes. So I actually had this conversation with a friend where he's like, so do you think you're not ever going to have debt? I'm like, yes, I probably will. I will probably have a mortgage at one point, you know, buy a house if that's where I end up seeing myself. So it's not like debt freedom means forever, I guess, for me, because I feel like I'm too young to really say I will never have debt again in my life. That's just, I don't think that's going to fully happen, but at least it won't be this. And I'll be happy for at least a few years where I don't have it. Um, yes, I am in the process of starting a blog. I have started doing some blog posts um, and it's going to be a mix of things, even though it will be Latina Traveler, it will talk about finance. And even once I am done, the things that I could do. So yes, this money that won't be put into um, paying off this debt, which thankfully for the last six months has not accrued interest due to the CARES Act. <laughs> um, so it has let me make all of my payments towards just the principal. Um, that money, I plan to divvy it up between traveling and between investing. I, My parents, my mom, more than anything, has talked to me about investing into a Roth IRA and thinking about the future. And up until this time, I didn't think about that. I thought about the now, like, yo quiero hacer cosas ahora, yo quiero irme de viaje ahora, y no estoy pensando en el futuro, pero yo no quiero trabajar toda mi vida. Entonces, sí estoy tratando de planear un poco del futuro, um, poner un poco de ese dinero que ya no pondré para este préstamo, para el futuro, y también para mis viajes. Entonces, algo que me gusta, y lo puedo hacer ahora, y algo que me ayudará and my viajes when I don't want to work or can't work more. So definitely it'll be a mix between the two and hopefully I will be able to do something productive with that as well. Um, hopefully I will learn a little bit more about investing in stocks and have money that can be used for now and not necessarily just for retirement. Yeah, so um, just to share a little bit of wisdom, I'm older than you. Uh, I'm in my 30s, um, but if I could talk to myself in my 20s, I would say, girl, get a Roth IRA now. Like now and start investing on it now because, yes, it, it's, it's a retirement account, but it also has so many benefits that you can use later on in the event that you need it, right? Like your contributions can always be withdrawn. You just can't withdraw like the gains, right? Like uh, the capital gains on it. And so like, again, we can talk about this. It could be a whole episode, but yes, people listening, get a Roth IRA, Google it. Yes, <laughs> or, or, you know, go to Latina Traveler, hit her up or hit me up with questions because this is something I'd love to talk about. And, um, I'm, and I'm just so happy you're embarking on this. I think it's wonderful. All right. So as we're wrapping up the conversation, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Don't think too hard about them. Just like uh, answer whatever comes to mind. Um, plato preferido peruano. Ah, lo hemos saltado. Lo hemos Montado saltado. con huevo. Tiene que tener huevo. <laughs> no, no, 
¿Sabes qué? La primera persona que me dice tiene que tener huevos. Si no, no, si no, no. Doble, dame dos. Uh, ¿Chicha morada o Inca Cola? Mm, chicha morada. Ok. ¿Algarrobina pisco sour? Pisco sour. Nadie me dice algarrobina, es interesante. A mí sí me gusta, sí. Uh, ¿Mazaborra morada o arroz con leche? Uy, combinado, definitivamente. Combinado. <risa> sí. Uh, ¿Wine o festejo o marinera? Lo voy a poner los tres, a ver. Seré honesta que no he escuchado, no he crecido escuchando mucho de ninguno de los dos, um, pero sí diré marinera. Marinera, marinera, sí. Um, ¿Un uh, talento peruano, artista peruano preferido? Uh, ¿Puede ser un escritor, un actor, un músico? Mario Vargas Llosa. ¿Tu lugar favorito en Perú? Uy, es una buena, porque de verdad hay muchas. Ah, um, a ver, Arequipa. Me encanta la ciudad, es bien bonita. Sí, Arequipa es bonito. Todos los arequipeños van a estar felices al escuchar eso. Van a decir la República Independiente de Arequipa. <risa> canción que te hace recordar al Perú cuando la escuchas. Oh, hay una canción que, que ahorita en mi mente está como tocando, pero tiene... No, no creo que fue escrita sobre el Perú, pero cuando la escucho me hace pensar en el Perú y de verdad ahorita no me acuerdo cómo se llama. No importa, me avisas y la ponemos como ending. <risa> um, y las últimas dos preguntas es, ¿qué mensaje tienes tú para los peruanos que están en Perú y qué mensaje tienes para los peruanos aquí en Estados Unidos? Sí, um, okay, so for the Peruvians here in the U.S. Um, that have immigrated or that are... Um, just here, like the kids of Peruvians, um, definitely I've noticed that there are a lot of people that when they do immigrate here, or I've heard these stories that they'll go to Peru and say that they're living kind of like kings and queens. And when that is not, that is not very true. <laughs> a lot of people come here and there's struggles. There's definitely a lot of struggles. And I think we need to be a lot more honest about that. Um, my dad has definitely told me stories that he's heard um, where people say that they go back to Peru and they like, le compran cerveza a todo el mundo, y eso, invitan, y eso. Y aunque eso es bueno, porque claro, si lo pueden, like, está bien, pero a la vez creo que tenemos que ser un poco más honestos con eso. No solo decir que Estados Unidos como que se cae lo, el oro y estamos regresando y ahora distribuyendo eso, porque tampoco eso no es verdad, verdad. Um, y bueno, para los peruanos en Perú que um, creo que también espero que con el tiempo, si escuchan esto, también tomen un poco en consideración las experiencias de las personas que, que so, se consideran peruanos como yo, que me considero peruana, um, que no han nacido en el Perú pero no por decisión mía. Yo no tuve ninguna, ningún say en donde iba a nacer. Yo nací porque estaba acá mi mamá y pues ya no me quedó otra, ¿no? <risa> pero también como pensar un poco de eso, que ya los peruanos sí están en varios lugares. Yo tengo primos en todas partes. Um, y pues ya hay unos que, que porque se fueron de Perú o porque ya tienen hijos y ya nacieron en otro lugar. Entonces, como que... Si hay ese orgullo peruano, ¿para qué tratar de hacerle a alguien sentir menos peruano? Solo porque no nació ahí, solo porque no vive ahí o algo así. Si está en otro país, otra ciudad, algo así, como hablando bien del Perú, teniendo orgullo en, don, en sus raíces, no, no le haga sentir mal. Like, apoyen eso. Porque yo sé que al menos yo apoyaría a cualquier peruano en donde esté, le ayudaría en lo que sea. Like, no da igual si nació ahí o no. Oh, me encanta ese mensaje. Entonces, si la audiencia quiere conectarse contigo, how can they reach out to you? Let us know. Claro, um, on Instagram, definitely Latino Traveler, toda una palabra. Um, mi blog nuevo va a ser un poco más complicado, desafortunadamente. Va a ser Latina Travel, um, latina-traveler.com. <laughs> Um, eso o en Facebook también como Latina Traveler o Flavia Viaja um, those would definitely be the best ways to get in contact with me and definitely hit me up about travel about personal finance about any of it I'm here for it awesome awesome thank you so much Flavia I really appreciate your time as I mentioned you are all my favorite things <laughs> thank you so much for having me this has been an amazing conversation 
Tengo marcado en el pecho todos los días que el tiempo no me dejó estar aquí. Tengo una fe que madura, que va conmigo y me cura desde que te conocí. Tengo una huella perdida y entre tu sombra y la mía. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I look forward to connecting with you there. And remember, el mejor amigo de un peruano es otro peruano. Chao.